We are appreciative of that name. Amen? There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Right? And so we are so thankful for Jesus because of uh, our salvation depends upon him. Amen? And uh, we've been studying uh, the book of Romans, and we're making sense of what matters most. That is the gospel, uh, what we just sang about. Just to catch people up, those who have not been able to be here every week, just to catch up with where we are, we're looking at the outline of Romans, and we started with the topic of sin. And uh, Paul dives into the topic of sin and and teaches us that uh, God is just in punishing us for our sins. And we, we, we begin to understand the, the doctrine of sin. And only until we, when we understand the doctrine of sin can we begin to understand the doctrine of salvation. And so we've talked in chapters 3 through, uh, through chapter 4. Uh, we see how God provided salvation by grace, through faith, not by any works that we do. And it was all on him. And at this point, then, we begin the topic of sanctification, which is where we're at right now. And we're in Romans chapter 5, if you want to turn there with me. Uh, we're in Romans chapter 5. Last week, we talked about uh, the, five, or the, the four benefits of salvation that we find in chapter 5. Uh, we talked about how uh, we have peace with God. How before we understand salvation, uh, we were enemies of God. You have to let that sink in. We, we were enemies with God. But now, because of salvation, we have peace with God. We talked about how we have the hope of glory the hope of glory, uh, that we know that one day we will be with God forever in glory, in our glorified bodies, and we have that to look forward to. And so no matter what we go through in life, we can, we can glory in our tribulations, Paul taught us in Romans 5, 1 through 5. And then we experience God's love via the Holy Spirit. From this point on, we, we see how understanding sanctification, that is the process by which God turns us into the people that he's called us to be. Uh, Salvation is the starting point. In fact, a lot of people think that the gospel ends with salvation. Is that true? No, the gospel begins at salvation. It begins there, and that changes us. It gives us a power to become something that God has called us to be from the beginning. And and so salvation is the first step. It's it's an exciting step. It's kind of like the birth in the life of a person. we're, We're excited about that. We celebrate births, right? Uh, but sanctification is that lifelong process of becoming who God has called us to be. And, um, and so uh, we see how God uses these benefits of salvation to drive us forward in our process of sanctification. And now Paul is going to use this almost like an outline for the rest of the process of sanctification. He's going to look at these, and he's, we started with a peace with God, and now he's going to go into a little bit more detail and explain each of these as we go forward. So let's take a look at Romans chapter 5, and we'll read verses 6 through 11 together. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will, uh, will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. Verse 8. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. 
much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. For the, for the, the title for today's message, I've entitled it Rem- Remembering the High Price of Our Salvation. You know, when we think about the high price of our salvation, that is really going to be the same power that drives us forward in our sanctification. And oftentimes I think we, we appreciate the high price of salvation for the moment of salvation, but then we don't think about it throughout our process of sanctification. And we have to be careful not to do that. So now that we've done a little flyover over the passage of today, let's land and, and explore for a little bit. Does that sound all right? And I'll still get it out here at a decent time. I'm just going to talk fast because I know that Lisa can interpret really fast, right? (laughs) So, sorry. Forgive me. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, But we're going to, I'll I'll go fast. But I want to look at what it means to remember the high price of our salvation. Let's look at uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 6. And we'll look at verse 6 a little bit closer. It says, for when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. What does he mean there when it says that we, when we were still without strength? Well, if you look at the context of Romans, we started with sin, and we started with understanding who we are as sinners, and guess what? We had no strength whatsoever. We were weak, the idea of, of being without strength. We are weak. What was our relationship to God prior to salvation? We're enemies of God. Now imagine the all-powerful God who created the universe just with his words versus us, enemies of God. That's not a great position to be in. And while we were enemies of God, while we were powerless against him, that's when Christ did the most amazing thing that we can fathom. And he died for the ungodly. He didn't die for the godly. He died for the ungodly. key thing to understand here is the word for. There's multiple words for for in Greek. Greek is a very specific language, especially in their prepositions. And, uh, and so when you look at that, the idea behind this is that he died in place of. Christ died in place of us. That should have our jaws dropping every day that we live life, shouldn't it? When we really think about that, now he goes on to describe what that means uh, uh, from this point on. But this idea that Christ died in place of us. To help us fathom this idea, he gives us two comparisons starting in in verse 7. He says, for scarcely, for a righteous man will one die. What is he saying? It's, it's, It's very scarce. It's very rare for a man to die for for a righteous man. The idea is that it's, it's very commendable, but rare that someone would risk his life for another. Isn't that what the verse says? Uh, how, when you think about it, statistically, how many people are willing to risk their life to save someone else? It's very small, isn't it? In fact, if you watch in an emergency situation where there's cameras, what does everybody do? They run for cover, right? The first thing they think about, our first instinct, is to protect ourselves, right? Uh, And so there's this idea of sacrifice that that Paul is talking about in in verse 7. And we see it in two different different examples of it in verse 7. When he says, for scarcely, 
For a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. Uh, so we have two different, two different examples. One of those is the person who is willing to dare to die. It means there's risk. Uh, risk in dying. Now, uh, when you think about the percentages, not too many people are willing to do that. The idea, he doesn't go into details, but he just says it's scarce. Uh, it's, it's scarce that a person is willing to die. And in verse 7 it says that, uh, um, that, that it uses the word perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. So perhaps someone would be willing to risk their lives. In, in my life I can only think of, and there, there might be more, but I can only think of two times in my life where I risked death to save somebody else. I might risk a twisted ankle or risk some injury, but risked my life to save someone else. One was my best friend in college, and the other was my brother, people that I love very closely. And um, I'll only share the one story of my friend in college. He was, uh, uh, actually the two of us were just exploring up and down the, the river. It was in the spring. And in one of the turns of the river, all the ice from the, from the winter had hit there, and it would, it would break up, and it would be in, it would all jaggedy, and it would be stuck there, and it was beautiful. And so we were up there, just looking up and down the river, and, and, uh, and we were actually hopping around on some of those, those ice things. I was a college ager, and I was stupid, right? But what I didn't realize, and what my friend John didn't realize, is that in, in the sun, uh, that ice will begin to melt, melt and, and yet it still holds its shape until the very last moment, and then it crumbles. You know what I'm talking about, right? Um, probably from Iceland, you didn't know that very well, right? And, and so... Uh, we were college ages, we're jumping around just looking at God's creation and, and my friend was, he climbed up one and he jumped to another and then he jumped to another and he jumped onto one that had been in the air, it looked like it was solid but it wasn't and all of a sudden I saw my friend go underwater and I was probably a good 20 or 30 feet from him and, and so I thought if, if there's any chance of saving his life I've got to get there very fast and so I jumped from one to another to another. And I thank the Lord that every, every one I jumped on was solid. But got there just in time to get my arm into the water and grab the back of his jacket and pull him out of that water. And uh, I won't go into the rest of the story, but got him to a hospital. He was okay. Uh, risking life. You do that for, for people. It's a rare thing. I, and, and how often do we do that? It's not an everyday occurrence. Now, there are some people who do this on a daily basis, and I'm thankful for them. I think of firemen and people who are willing to give up. That's sacrifice. The Bible says this is commendable. Right? This is commendable, but it's rare. But then if we look back at verse 7 again, uh, we, we read, we read, for scarcely a righteous man, or for a righteous man will one die. Scarcely is a little bit uh, stronger of a word than perhaps, like we find in the first case here. Scarcely means this is very rare. Uh, so it, it's, it's a, very different, uh, a very different thing. And so we see two examples. So when we think of the first example here, that it's commendable but rare that someone would risk his life for another, one name that comes to my mind is Arlen Williams. I want to just read a little bit about him. You may, you may have never heard of him. Uh, but when, when Air Florida Flight 90 smashed into a frozen lake in the middle of a snowstorm, all but six passengers were immediately killed. About 20 minutes later, a helicopter arrived to rescue the survivors. After getting one man to safety, 
The helicopter threw a life ring to Arlen Williams. So he was the second man to receive a lifeline. But he immediately gave it to the passenger next to him. When the helicopter came back for a third time, he did the same thing again. And again the fourth time. And when the helicopter came back a final time, Arlen was dead. He had used his last ounce of strength to save the life of someone else. That's sacrifice, isn't it? Uh, and and it's, it's commendable. Uh, you see, when you risk your life, sometimes it works out great, as in the case with my friend John Dom and myself. Sometimes it, it doesn't end that way. So to risk your life, put your life at risk, that is a commendable thing, is it not? And, and Romans 7 says so, but this is in contrast to something else that he's going to show us, but he talks about that. And uh, so what we find uh, in the rest of verse 7 is that it is scarce, even more rare, I mean, it's commendable for one, but it is scarce. It is even more rare for, for someone to knowingly sacrifice his life for another. Do you see the difference? Paul is using these analogies because he's using something we can relate to, heroes that we can relate to, and he compares that, and we, it's commendable, but when we compare it to Christ, it's something very different because now he's saying even it's more rare that someone would knowingly give his life for another. I would ask, has anyone done that? But if you had, you wouldn't be able to raise your hand, right? <laughs> Nobody in here can say, I knowingly gave my life for someone else, right? Knowingly gave your life. But some people have yet done that. I want to give one more illustration of, of someone who's done that. First Lieutenant John Robert Fox. He's a Congressional Medal of Honor recipient. Lieutenant Fox was directing artillery fire in the Italian uh, town of Summa Colonia, trying to stall a German advance. While Fox was directing fire, a large German force moved in on his position. Realizing that this force was a great threat to his men and the success of their mission, Fox called for a final artillery strike on himself. When his men eventually retook the position, Fox's body was found next to approximately 100 dead German troops, and they placed the medal neatly on his chest. Here was a man who went above and beyond risking his life. He knew 100% cert- with 100% certainty that when he made that call, he was ending his own life because he stood for something greater. These were his <coughs> brothers, his allies. He wanted to save their lives. And so he called for an artillery strike on his own position. Which is more commendable? The first, risking your life, or knowingly giving your life? That's rare. That's rare. That's why we give him the Medal of Honor. When Paul uses this, he uses these to contrast the greatness of that with the greatness of what Jesus did. Because there's still a key difference that we find in here. Let me read it one more time, verse 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. For what kind of man? A righteous man. Goes on to say, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. For whom? For a good man. A righteous man. A good man. Yes, people are willing. It's rare. It's commendable. People are willing to do it for a righteous man. For a good man. For their brothers. For their best friends. For someone like that. But Jesus, this is what we find in verse, uh, in verse 8. 
Sorry, I was going to throw that up there. But Jesus died for us while we were still his enemies. Wow. The high price of our salvation that Jesus sacrificed his own life for us while we were still sinners. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. Those are great things. They're commendable. But, it's a word of contrast, but God demonstrates his love for, toward us in that while we were still sinners, enemies, Christ died for us. Have you let that sink in? Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. When we think of remembering the high price of salvation, this brings two thoughts to my mind. Number one, Christ did not simply risk his life, he gave it. He did not come here to risk his life for us. He came here knowingly that, that by coming to this planet, his job was going to be to die for our sins. Let that, let that sink in and and, and realize what Christ did for us. Secondly, Christ died for us while we were still his enemies. When Jesus was on the cross, what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them. Forgive whom? The very people who were crucifying him. Right? Forgive them because they know not what they do. Jesus Christ died for us while we were still spitting on him, while we were mocking him, and while we were scourging him beating him, right? Those people represent us, do they not? Lest we think we're any better than them. And then then we find in verses 9 through 10 what all of this meant. Verse 9, much more than having now been justified by his blood. What does that mean? By his death, we're justified. That means we receive salvation. Our sins are forgiven. We shall be saved from wrath through him. No longer enemies, we're saved the wrath. Why? Because of what Jesus did. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. See, we look at two, two sides of what Christ did. First, his death, and then his life. Uh, Christ died on the cross. He paid for, the, for our salvation so that we don't have to suffer the wrath. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross... We don't have to pay for all of those mistakes that we've done. And we've done, in, we've done a lot if we understand Romans 1 through 3. And we are facing the wrath of God. We are powerless in our wrath of God. And yet, it says he reconciled us. What does that mean? Repaired that relationship. We've become friends of God. We've become children of God. Amazing. We've been reconciled now even more. And God says, if that's what happened when Jesus Christ died for his enemies, just think what what he can do now for us, having already been reconciled through his life. See, Jesus Christ didn't just die on the cross to pay for our sins. He rose from the grave. Amen. Amen. And and so that, he, he, he not only paid for our sins, he has purchased us eternal life. Right? And, uh, and so this, the, the great, high, the high price of salvation, when you think about uh, these things, we realize that Christ not only risked, or didn't just risk his life, he gave it. He gave it while we were enemies. And he took upon the wrath that we deserved, and he took it upon himself. Isn't that an amazing thought? When you think of those things together, the high price of salvation. I just want to close by 
thinking through some of the, the of what we're talking about in Luke chapter 23 verses 32 through 34 we read in the context with Jesus on the cross and this is a picture of all of us it says there were also two others criminals um, Romans 1 says that we are all sinners right Romans 3 for all have sinned it's talking about us there were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. What do we deserve, according to Romans, because of our sin? Death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. So while they were yet sinners, Christ was dying on the cross for them, for his enemies. And we read about the responses of the two men. If we skip ahead to verse 39, we read, Then one of the criminals who, was ha- who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, then save yourself and us, by the way. Right? One who, who, who mocked him, believing that there's no way that he was the real Christ, because, he, because no one would, would sacrifice their own life. If they had the power of the Christ, of course he would save himself. That was that selfish way of thinking that he, that he had known. He blasphemed Christ. But then there was another response from the other man. and said, but the other answering rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? See, there was a man who understood the wrath of God, understood what he was about to face, and knew that he deserved it, right? Verse 41, and we indeed justly, in other words, we deserved it, for we received the due reward of our deeds, But this man, talking about Christ, has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And from that moment, this man's, even though his life didn't change a whole lot, his eternal life changed completely, did it not? And and in verse 43, and Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Change his eternal destiny. You know, this is a picture of us. And if we reflect on what Christ did on the cross, he died for us while we were still sinners. And there's only one of two responses. You can reject it as the man who blasphemed Christ, or you can repent. Those are the only two choices. And if you repent, you spend eternity with God in paradise. You see, understanding this and meditating in, on this and thinking about this, this isn't just important for salvation. This is important for sanctification, reflecting on the high price that Jesus Christ paid for our salvation. We call it the power of the gospel. Paul didn't say the power of the gospel ended when he, when he was converted. The power of the gospel drove him in every day of his life. And then we see the last uh, verse that we'll read from the, the passage today, Romans 5, verse 11. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Amen. That enmity that we had with God is now gone, and we're reconciled to him because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And how, does it, how should that affect us? What's the word? Rejoice. We have joy. And that joy is what will drive us through any tribulation. I appreciated even hearing uh, the, the openness of, of the tribulation of having to bury a child in the mission field. But it's the joy of our salvation that gives us the power to do that. Isn't that true? Amen. 
and that the power of the gospel should change our lives, not just our eternal destinies. What about you? I just want to ask three quick questions today uh, to respond. For those who who say, you know, Pastor Dave, I I already know the truth of the gospel. I know uh, that I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to ask you, uh, when when was the last time that you really thought about the price Jesus paid for your sins? I hope it's not when you accepted Christ as your Savior. That's a long time ago for some of you, right? I hope that it was today. I hope that it was this morning. I hope that every day we wake up with this renewed understanding that Christ died for my sins today. He, he died for my sins when I was still, when I was still his enemy. And that it might drive you to, to love him even more. Second question for you, I just want to ask, how often do you show him the gratitude of what he did for you on the cross? Do you do, you do it with the way that you live your life? It, could you honestly say about your life, my life is my way of saying thanks to Jesus Christ for what he did that day? Because if there's anything short of that, then you don't get it, right? I also wanted to, to give an opportunity, because there, there might be some in here today that say, Pastor Dave, I don't know if I've ever accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to ask you, how have you responded to what Christ has done for you on the cross? Because really there's only two responses. You either reject it or you wholeheartedly receive it. Those are the only two. The only two responses that there is. And I want to give you an opportunity today as well. That if that's you today and you're not 100% sure that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then these are all gifts that God has talked about. He's willing to give you. We've talked about the benefits of salvation last week. All of these things God is willing to give to you, but you have to accept it. We have some, some uh, men and women in the back. They have a little lanyard that just says, Ask me, right on it. And in a few moments when we, when we sing a uh, closing song, if the Lord's working in your heart, and you're saying, Pastor Dave, I'm not 100% sure, Please don't walk out of this building today without knowing for sure that you have eternal life. All you have to do is walk towards the back. Someone will meet you there, and they will show you from God's Word how you can know for sure that you have eternal life. Also, if you're a believer today, say, you know what, Pastor Dave? Maybe I don't reflect on what Jesus Christ did enough. I just want to give you an opportunity. You can come forward and just between you and God or right from your seat, right where you are, take some time and just meditate on what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross and make that a new pattern that it would drive you forward in sanctification. Let's pray and then we'll sing. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for dying for me while I was crucifying your son. I thank you for sending your son to pay that price. That you love me so much that you would die for me as your enemy. Lord, I pray that that would give me the drive to move forward. That that I pray, Lord, for the power of the gospel in me and in all my brothers and sisters right here with me, Lord. Lord, I, I genuinely believe that if we all grasped price that you paid, that Jesus paid for us, it would change the way we live our lives.
That's what I ask for, Lord. That's what I pray for. And I pray this in Jesus' name.